sometimes what I like to ask people is, do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? Mm. And what's more important to you? Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports Arty Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports Arty Snippets. Happy March 1st. I love that. It already feels like spring. It's almost summer at this point. It's just so amazing. I feel like time's flying and I forget not everyone lives in cold weather like I do, but I'm a, I'm excited for the spring and summer because it's, you know, it's March 1st. It's only going to get nicer. So I hope everyone's like feeling that positive energy today, but I'm just, I'm so excited for this episode. If you don't know Jen Gibson, you will know her now. She is such a leader in our field, such a trailblazer just for like, not just sports dietitians, but just like being a female in sports nutrition and starting out, you'll hear her career path. It just, it's just amazing. And I know we have such a long way to go, but we've also come so far and, you know, whether you're interested in the NFL or not, or just all the different careers Jen has had will hopefully kind of give you insight on the potentials of opportunities in our field. But we're going to talk about the day in the life of what it's like to be an NFL sports dietitian, how to break into the field, advice for early professionals that are interested in working in pro sports, and just so much more. So yeah, just super exciting episode today. Jennifer Gibson is an internationally recognized sports dietitian with 16 years of experience in elite sports. Most recently, Jennifer spent seven seasons as the lead sports dietitian and sports science coordinator for the Chicago Bears Football Club. Between 2006 to 2015, she was a senior sport dietitian and applied physiologist with the United States Olympic Committee and within the Canadian Olympic Sports System. Her consulting work has included the New Orleans Saints, Vancouver Whitecaps, MLS, Women's Tennis Association Pro Tour, and within the NBA. She has traveled to over 20 countries to service her athletes, including two Olympic Games, 2010 and 2012, two Pan American Games, one Canada Winter Games, six World Championships, and hundreds of professional tournaments and games. Gibson served as an adjunct sports nutrition lecturer for the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, from 2011 to 2015, it was active in research, having published nine peer-reviewed scientific papers and seven book contributions. Gibson completed her Bachelor's of Science degree in nutrition at Ryerson University and her dietetic education at the University Health Network in Toronto, Canada. Her Master's in Exercise Science was completed at the University of Victoria in Victoria, Canada. Jennifer is also a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics with the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Let's jump in and let's meet Jen. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's so good to be here. I'm really excited to chat with you, Liz. I'm excited to have you. What's going on in your world? What's what's happening today? Uh, just a lot of snow. A lot of snow really? right now. We just got through a huge storm here in Colorado. So um, I live on a little bit of property and I actually have like um, 
a one mile cross country loop that I, I, I do on my property when we have good snow. So I just got in from doing that. Oh my God. It's so funny. I'm in Boston right now. And yesterday I was like, I feel like, did we miss out on the snow? Like this could be really good. And someone's like, no, we're probably going to get a lot in March and April. I was like, yeah, that's pretty on point, but it's been like spring weather here. And I'm like, I love it. You know? Yeah, I heard. And it's been the opposite. Colorado usually we don't have this much snow, like in, in this, in this, I'm in the spring. So we don't usually get that in the cities, like it's in the mountains, but it's been a really, a really snowy winter here, which I'm okay with. I, I I'm Canadian originally, so I, I I'm used to it and I actually enjoy snow activities. So I used to, I tell like, I don't like it, but I think it's just become like more inconvenient like, <laughs> to drive to sure. work or like, you know, but it is pretty if you don't have to go anywhere for sure. Exactly. Yes. That was the case for me today. <laughs> But yeah, I'm so excited for this episode today. To kind of start it off, I wanted to start off on how we know each other. I don't know if you would know this, but from the SNP, you are Lauren's yeah. mentor. During- yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jen and I met, was it Chicago was the kickoff? Yes, that's right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. What you don't know is, so my first CPSDA conference was in Kansas City, Missouri. Is that correct? I Is think that, so. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Kansas City, Kansas, but it's Kansas City, Missouri. Yes. And you presented, right? Did you present? Yes. That. Yeah. Yes, I did. Actually. I remember it was like a whirlwind because I came in and out. It was like, wow. Yeah. So I must have went to the, I forget what the other topic was, but I went to the other person's session and that must have gone out early. This is my first CPSTA conference. Like I had a little experience in sports, but obviously yeah. I'm doing SNP. And I remember standing in the back of your session, just kind of like listening to the end. And you had a slide come up with like the Chicago Bears, you were standing next to a player and you had on your slide and it said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's so crazy is like, obviously I've been in this field now for a bit that of course, like that's how a lot of us operate like every day. And that's our normal of like this industry. But for me at that time at like 23, that was the first time I heard that like from oh, no a veteran. And it was just so nice. Cause I was like, I, you know, like I fit in here, like these are my people and like, yeah. And I just think, I don't know. It's just funny. Like if someone's listening out there that that's the first time they heard that, like, you know, this is the industry for you. Cause I felt like undergrad, it was all about like, not like grades and I was a good student, but it was never about like how you make someone feel and the impact. And if you care, like that's the impact you'll make. And they'll, they'll want to know the education behind it. Where did you hear that? Or did you make that quote? That was, I mean, that's like a quote I've heard over, I don't even know where, but, but it is a fundamental tenant of, of my practice because we deal with human beings. And so, um, that's, that's a point of connection. If you really want to have a, if we're trying to enhance behavior change, which is our jobs, right? If you can't actually connect with the person at a human level, that's a genuine connection, then I feel like your ability to really affect behavior change is diminished. So for me, I've always tried to, yeah, develop a, a relationship with, with all the athletes I work with, because I feel like once that trust is there, when we move into these behavior changes, then, then it's easier for them to adopt change and, and kind of get on board. For sure. Yeah. No, it was just so nice hearing that. Cause I was like, I read, the light bulb was like, okay, like I fit in here. Like I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. That's so cool. I had no idea. Oh, I didn't go to your session, but I feel like I did because I just remember yeah. standing in the back. So what did you, what were you speaking on the Olympics or no, no, I can't even remember. Honestly. Uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> I know that I had just started at the Bears. I I remember that really? because I remember I had agreed That's to speak crazy. and then 
yeah, I had agreed to speak. And then I didn't realize that, you know, um, CPSDA is kind of it, so, not an ideal time for the NFL schedule. So I just remember like having to get the time off and then like going in and going out really fast. And then, um, yeah, it was a blur. Absolutely. I just can't believe 2016 was so long ago. Like it's mm-hmm. now like freaking me out a little bit. But... I know. I know. But anyway, super excited to jump into this episode today. Before we kind of jump in, can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yes. Um, so because I'm uh, advanced age compared to some of the newer RDs, I had a very circuitous um, path to to uh, to kind of getting into the sport nutrition world. So I'm actually originally from Canada and uh, did my undergraduate um, you know, bachelor of science and nutrition up there, um, and did a dietetics program and, and got my RD right, right outside of right after finishing my, um, bachelor program. And then basically, um, in, in term, and that, at that point in time, which was basically like 2004, 2005 up in Canada, there really wasn't any full-time jobs in sport nutrition. They just didn't exist literally zero. Um, so the sport RDs I knew back then, um, they, they mostly had consulting businesses and were kind of just doing mostly consulting contracts with teams. And, um, and so I realized right out of school, like, even though that was my passion, like there just wasn't any jobs. So I actually started off my first year, um, working in a, a sport nutrition marketing, um, and communications company. Cause my minor was in marketing and I thought maybe I'd do that, but that ended up being a really positive experience for me that I took that learning from that experience for the rest of my career. But basically what ended up happening was I kind of continued to stay kind of in the literature for sport nutrition and keeping my eyes open. And then all of a sudden Canada got the 2010 Olympic games and there was a a sport RD position that came open out in Vancouver, which is the opposite side of Canada. And the money was absolute trash. And Vancouver, if you don't know, is considered like, it's basically like the Palo Alto of Canada. It's the most expensive city super expensive. And the pay was like, I think it was like $36,000 a year. Um, you know, and it was just like, you couldn't survive on it. So the posting came out and, uh, nobody wanted the job, but I was like, yes, I want this job. It's literally the only full-time sport RD position, like in the country. Um, and so everybody thought I was crazy the position was actually partially funded by a supplement company. So there was a stigma associated um, with that, but that was the only way they were able to basically fund a position was to have a partner. Um, And in Canada, they're very conservative about those things, especially supplement company partnerships. So I took this like rogue position and that was the beginning of it all. And so I started working, realized I didn't know enough uh, and then went, went and did my master's in exercise physiology, like a pure exercise physiology master's while I was working at university of Victoria and basically worked in a kind of a, um, a formalized exercise phys lab, which really gave me a good foundational learning in that. And then frankly, I started to just network with a lot of sport RDs from Australia, did my ISAC training over in Australia and just basically started to, um, get my career education and stuff through XFIS and, and, and the sport RDs in Australia. So yeah, I worked in that through the 2010 games and then got recruited by team USA, um, to come down and, and work for team USA in the Olympic world. We, um, we just steal people from other Olympic committees. Doesn't really matter where you're from. So, uh, because my personal sport background was combat sports, um, I got recruited down to the U S Olympic committee in Colorado Springs 
spent about five years there in combat sports, loved it. Fantastic job. Um, and then just through getting to know people, got kind of a consulting agreement with uh, New Orleans Saints, um, got exposure to the NFL, something I had never really thought I'd ever work in. And then that kind of parlayed into a basically like an, a, a, almost like what I had been doing, applied physiology and nutrition position with the Chicago Bears for seven years. And so we relocated to Chicago um, and then that's done. And so now I've kind of just been doing a lot of consulting work and trying to kind of figure out um, the next step in terms of whether it's going to be a private practice or getting on with another team, um, just needed to, to get out of Chicago. We had had our fill of that city and no offense if you're from there, but, um, it was right. We were ready to come back to the mountains. So that's it. That's the whole journey in a nutshell. Um, but it involved a lot of moving around, um, internationally actually. Um, and the opportunities in Canada are still very limited. So we're probably going to be in the States for the foreseeable future for, for opportunities in sport nutrition. What's your advice? And I know this is, it's not controversial, but I think it's just interesting. You know, when you took that job for the Canadian team, what's your advice? Cause nowadays it's like, you know, don't underworth, you know, your value. And, but I also am a firm believer in like taking an opportunity to, you know, it, it brings you to more opportunities. So what's your take on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, at the time it was one of those things where it was like all or nothing. Right. right. And so at the time, literally there was no other option for a full-time job. Um, I think that right now we're in a totally different environment and there are a plethora of opportunities available at every price, at every, uh, at every salary uh, range. Um, and some people are really upset. Obviously I've seen a lot of social media posts about the lower paying positions. Um, and I, and I, I believe that's, that's, there's, there's a lot of merit to that. Um, but a lot of times they're based around what a program can afford as well. And so I think you're not going to change. We're not going to change things. I think if people just don't take those jobs, cause there's still a need and maybe it's a, a D two school or something, and this is all they can afford. You know what I mean? So I, I think that it's just, it's really an individual decision about what experience the RD thinks they need at that point in their career and and what their what they can place for value you know in, in terms of what they're willing to get paid so for somebody that that salary may be okay you know and they may be able to live on it now if they can want to continue on in life they probably won't be able to live on right. that long term but it's i, I think that's, so. it's a stepping yeah step. exactly yeah. but i think there's a fit for everybody and and i do appreciate that in our profession currently there is there are sport RDs with master's degrees making $30,000 a year. And, and there's sport RDs with master's degrees making $250,000 a year. And, and that a year, and that's just a total, that's where we're at, you know, with our profession right now. Oh, I want to be like, what do we do? But we don't have time for that question. Today. Oh boy. I've got a whole other, <laughs> thing. Another episode. I've got a lot of thoughts yes. on that. But yes. Yes. What? So you're yeah. in the NFL for seven years. <laughs> You know, so many people want to get into pro sports. It looks so glamorous on the outside. What type of characteristics or qualities of somebody to not only work in the NFL, but last in the NFL? You know, what's something yeah. coming up or just took a job to know about? Sure. Yeah. So for me, it was seven years full time and two years as a consultant. And the only reason why I say that is because I've I've sat on both sides of the fence because um, that's usually, you know, people are usually getting jobs and pros either as a consultant or as a, as a full-timer, I think there's benefits to both. And I think you can parlay a consultancy into a full-time job as well, if you want. 
Um, and right now with pro sports, it's kind of your, that's how you're get, getting in one of those two um, avenues. I think that um, there's, there is a lot of glamour associated with these posts, um, especially in the NFL, given the fact that it's probably the highest paying, um, you know, environment I'd say for sport RD. So that's obviously very attractive to people. One thing I will say is that, is that um, the opportunities are becoming better. Um, when I started in the NFL, I think there was five of us full-time and that was in 2015 and literally five. And now almost every team has a full-time dietitian. Nine teams have um, full-time assistants. Some RDs have, you know, three, three assistants. So the nutrition teams are like four people deep. So like, it's a great time. Um, if you're interested in, in working in pro sport and, and in the NFL for opportunity, so that's one thing I will say De definitely your entry into these jobs is, is probably easiest as an intern somewhere. Um, the, the key with the NFL and a lot of pro sports is just getting your foot in the door because getting your foot in the door is really hard. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of times the, uh, the director positions are never, are never posted once in a blue moon, you'll get a team that actually formally posts them. But a lot of times it's word of mouth. And, uh, and having the network of people that are in the league, um, you know, recommend a person and getting their name in front of the right people. So that's definitely something that that's, that's a consideration. Um, if this is a career path for someone is that there's a real art to getting into this, these types of jobs, and it's a really based on relationships. Um, and so that's a key component of it. And then even if you just kind of bite the bullet and do an internship somewhere or a fellowship, if they have that offered, just getting into the environment is, is half the battle. And then in terms of just working and succeeding in an environment like that, the saints um, and the bears, I was kind of the first RD that they had really engaged with in a, in a deep level. So it was really about program building. And so for me, like the biggest characteristic I had to have was, was being really thick skinned and being very emotionally resilient. Um, Good word. Yeah. And, and so, and for me coming in and again, I'm not kind of trying to go into the past, but at the time in 2015 at the Chicago bears, they had never hired a woman before, literally had never hired a woman before in football operations. They literally had this, just, they did, we just didn't exist. <laughs> there had never been a female trainer. It was, so it was a really challenging environment to come in and actually like just have to kind of navigate things like that. Like for example, at the time in the league, there wasn't even female locker rooms those didn't even exist. We were getting changed in um, broom closets, for example. So it was a weird time. And so to kind of work in an environment that um, that hadn't really, sounds really weird, but had just never had a woman before. Um, yeah, the, it required some of that. And I think the NFL, specifically the NFL environment is very um, much a, it's, it can be a very cutthroat environment. It can be a very uh, finger pointing environment. When things go wrong, there's a tendency for people to just point the finger because people are so protective of their positions um, because they're so you know highly coveted. People don't want to lose their jobs. And, and, and that's part of working in pros too, is getting fired. That's literally part of what you sign up for. And so people are very, very scared. So you operate in this kind of system, especially if you're in a team that doesn't win, you're, you're operating in a system of sometimes fear, sometimes um, people who don't want to collaborate, um, people who don't want to stick their neck out. And so for a lot of people, they, they kind of, there's a temptation for you to be a um, head down, mouth closed, just head nodding professional that just goes with the flow. 
Um, and that's not me, but, uh, and, and I never have operated that way. And I think that's probably why I survived so long is because I just, I marched my own drum and, and was confident in my ability. But I think that's something else to also remember going into an environment like that is it's really hard and you're kind of a little bit of on, a, on an island and you kind of really have to be confident in your program, your whys, what you're doing, your direction, and be able to kind of stand up to, um, just the, the, the challenges that'll get thrown at you, thrown at you either from coaching staff or support staff or even players. Just because I've worked in collegiate and I feel like collegiate and pro are just such different lifestyles. Hmm. Do the life skills carry over in some sort of way at the pro level or is there a big like difference? Because I think that's always been my fear. Like I don't personally have a desire to ever work pro because of that. But then I'm like, maybe I'm putting up a seal, you know, a wall that might not even be true. So I'm just kind of curious. What do you mean by life skills? I guess like maybe just more like the education or the, you know, like I you guess of the player. Yeah. Like play, you know, yeah. most of these athletes don't go home to their families. Like there's more yeah. independent life skills at this age where, you know, they might have um, a wife or they might have children or they might mm -hmm. have someone yeah. else they're working with yeah. outside. So what is like, is there a big difference or. Um, see, I think it's, I think it's, I think that on an NFL roster, because your average age is like, you have the new little fresh recruits that just are coming out of college. And then you've got sometimes, you know, guys that are 30 year old for 30 to 35 years old with kids and families, you, you just have the whole spectrum. And I think your rookie class are definitely coming out of college and they kind of need a lot of that same, um, hand holding, so to speak, you know, and kind of acclimation to, to the pros. And so there's, there's definitely a room, there's room within, um, your kind of programming to, I guess, continue on some of the things that happen at collegiate level. And then I find that you can kind of, you kind of just have to give a global assessment of your, of your groups and, and kind of meet people where they're at and where their needs are, because a guy that might have a wife with three kids, um, might still need a chef to come and help them out, you know, and, and, and navigate that. Um, and maybe they're, even though their needs might not be exactly the same, um, if you can develop trust with them, they may have their nutrition program down to like, you know, 90%, they've got it locked in, but that they can kind of come to you with specific needs. Do you know what I mean? So I think with the, the fun thing about the NFL, I've always said is that you have such a big roster and, Positionally, there's different physiological, you know, demands and different positional demands. So you kind of have teams within teams. And then, yeah, like kind of just the demographic of your player is so different. You've got guys that are like, you know, just from every different background and walk of life and every different um, education and, and kind of, um, you know, they're coming at it from so many different angles. So it's it's a really fun population where you can kind of find something for everyone. Yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. Just thinking about also, you know, if you're in the NFL and you want the longevity of your career, are you more bought into nutrition now than maybe you were in college? Or I wonder yeah. too, with more of the collegiate sports dietitians and then the, the athletes are now moving to the NFL, are they coming in more educated? You know, For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure they are. I mean, I used to do a survey cool. with the guys, the rookie class, because we do a lot of, we used to do a lot of specific programming for rookies and and you'd always ask at the beginning of the session, you know, how many of you guys um, have worked with a sport dietitian at, at, at your school? And, you know, when I started off um, at the Saints, which was 2013, it was very few and far between. And, you know, just this past season um, with the Bears early on during when we had our rookie class in in May, they they had it was almost 80 percent had had a experience. Exactly. And so 
Um, it makes our life a lot easier to be honest. Um, because then there's honestly the biggest part of, I think, challenge that you often face is just buy-in, buy-in for them to come to you as a resource. And so that's already done. And so there's already an understanding of where I go for this and, uh, you know, coming, coming up through the sport nutrition system, literally from the very beginning of its like, you know, origins, there was always this like battle of just trying to justify why you even need to be there. And so that's, that in and of itself being taken away, thankfully due to collegiate dietitians is fantastic. If you're like me, you've definitely had athletes that experience the annoying gas, bloating, and discomfort after taking some brands of protein powders. As we all know, bloating can be a sign that your body is not processing the protein powder properly, and you're likely peeing out most of it because your gut can't absorb it. But with our friends at Momentus, that isn't the case. And this is because they've included a special patent enzyme blend in their whey protein that eliminates gas, eliminates bloating, and makes your protein more bioavailable. The enzyme blend of Momentus is called Prohydrolase, and it's been tested in research against other enzymes. It's been proven to actually deliver more amino acids to your bloodstream, which means you fully absorb the protein. Don't you want to make sure your athletes' bodies are actually getting all the protein that you're paying for? Momentus definitely does, and your athletes will notice. They won't feel uncomfortable after they take it, and their bodies will be able to tell the difference because they'll feel more recovered. Go check out livemomentus.com and use the code RDSNIPPETS20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's R-D-S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S-2-0. Thank you so much, Momentus, for sponsoring this episode. What about if there's, you know, an intern early professional coming up, any do's or don'ts in the NFL or just something to be aware of that you could easily, I don't know, I guess it might be when you're younger, think that's a great idea and it could be just shut mm-hmm. down immediately. Like what are the yes. do's and the pros? <sighs> my number one don't, and I, and I say this to every single intern I've had come through my program, and this is just a general thing for any like young RD is, and I, I just used to say, just don't bro around, you know, and what I mean by that is is especially in pro sport, you know, a lot of times my interns are about the same age as the, as the athletes that they're working with. And there can be this real tendency, especially since sport is kind of informal, um, for there to be like a, yeah, just more of like a friend vibe than a professional vibe. Mm. And, um, if you lean into the, it's okay to be friendly, but if you start leaning into the friend part a little bit too much, um, then you kind of lose out on the professional part. And so when there becomes, it's all well and good when things are going great, but then let's say when that athlete starts to experience maybe a weight management problem that coaches want the, want to, want them to address, or there's something where behaviorally you're, you're called in to help that can mer- that can make a kind of a, a blurred line there and make it a little bit harder to work with that person. And so that's the one thing I, I found just working in sport is really trying to maintain a real professional attitude um, and, and, and professional conduct, you know, and I, I've always viewed my job as a registered dietitian and, and I, because I was brought up in a formal kind of clinical setting, even though I'm walking into a, a sport performance complex and I wear runners and jogging pants all the time. Um, I'm still, I still have the same attitude that I would take into a hospital. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional um, I want to be respected as one. I make chart notes. I operate as a professional. And, and and even the way my boundaries are set up with my patients, air quote, my athletes, 
I still carry that attitude with me. And I think that's very helpful. And definitely one of those things that is like a huge, um, red flag for young RDs, just be really careful because the sport environment is so informal. You can kind of get pulled into that a little bit. And then I think it, it kind of leeches away from your credibility sometimes if you're too informal. Yeah. I feel like dress isn't really talked about enough and the way you carry yourself, present yourself, you just don't realize how much it really, really matters. Yeah. And you can set yourself up to, I don't know, not like be successful, but I feel like it's just not talked about enough because it's like, oh, we're in a casual setting, but the yeah. more you not like look presentable, the more you, what's the right word? I know what you're saying, but like, and, and to, to maybe put it towards what you're trying to say, sometimes what I like to, like to ask people is, do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? Hmm. And what's more important to you? And if you're going to work for me, <laughs> you want to be respected. Okay. Over being liked. I would rather be respected than liked. Um, it's okay to be, it's okay to have athletes that kind of maybe don't, you know, cause of course there's always these little conflicts and usually surround weight management where they have to be. And, 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 you know, or if you set up boundaries, like, no, you can't just help yourself to the supplements. I have to actually have a reason for you to take them. And we have to, to document these things. And sometimes they get, you know, a little bit in a huff about that, but I would rather there be a respect for me than, than them to like, like me and, and the respect go away. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of, it's not that you can't have both, but what's, what's heavier weighted in that, you know? And, and like I said, you can dress any way you want, but the way you carry yourself, the way you conduct yourself, the way you, um, interact with everybody around you, um, that's really important. And, and it's important to establish that at the very beginning, uh, cause you can't come back from a bad kind of first impression. I think that's what, I, yeah, you, you're not coming back after. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I've had it not with my own interns, but I've heard stories of interns that choose to maybe go out and party with athletes or show up at the same clubs or, you know, get, get, um, allow them on their social media and then engage with them, um, in a way that's maybe just, again, like more on a friend level. And those are the things where I think you just start again, you're just eroding that respect, from you being a professional, you know? And so if you just kind of always think of yourself as like, I'm a medical, I'm a metal or, or allied health professional. Yeah. How would I interact with my doctor? You know, yeah, exactly. that's how I kind of wear yeah. my hat and maybe it's a little bit too buttoned up, but, um, no, and I can not. be friendly and, and great, but it's, it's definitely, I think a way to then maintain respect of everybody in the building. For sure. What about, um, the dues, like, I know you've had a lot of SNP mentees under you, you know, what yeah. are things that interns do, or like maybe throughout their time there that have been like positive or that have maybe set them apart to get that job or. Um... Yeah. Yeah. So I think what's really important to do is, and I do this all the time with myself is, is to really do, um, on a yearly basis or, or maybe a biannually, biannual basis, um, a needs assessment of, of your competencies as a sport dietitian and where you're really lacking. And then really trying to develop uh, a constructive plan for yourself to, to, to learn in the areas that you're lacking. And so for me in my career, that's always guided me. When I started off early in those sport nutrition years, I realized I don't know anything about exercise physiology. So I went to the extreme and took a master's in it. But what I'm trying to say is that for a lot of the, that's a, a really important do you, you're never going to know everything and the science is constantly changing. So you have to kind of adapt this constant posture in your career of continual learning. 
And also continual awareness of what your weaknesses are. For me, one of my current weaknesses is like, I'm not good on social media. I'm terrible at it. But I, but I also realize that like people are, are paying more attention to people's Instagram posts than they are like journal articles these days. So, and that's just facts, right? I see you on Instagram. You're posting. Well, I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I don't feel confident at it. Okay. Well, you're good at um, it. You're being too okay. Okay. Fast. Well, I appreciate that. I, it's not my area of expertise. Let's just say that. So, but for me, that's something I'm like, okay, I, this is a medium I need to learn how to communicate with. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? So like, um, that's like, that's just one small example. But, but what I'm trying to say is with my intern, the do was really just looking at, and what we would always do together when we came together was I would give them a, a skill set inventory and of all kind of the competencies in sport nutrition, and then they would evaluate themselves. And then we would try to, we would try to take that internship together and, and get them to competent for some things, you know? Um, and I think if you can adopt that practice throughout your entire career, um, it's a great way to do it. Cause you don't end up like at a level where you're like, okay, I know everything I'm good. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't happen. Right. Can you talk about your exercise phys background? Because I feel like, or at least I remember all the SNP sites coming out when I was going through the program program. And I remember yours was very research exercise phys heavy. Can you just talk about like a typical day in the NFL or just how your research maybe was different than other programs? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I had the title of sports science coordinator and dietitian. So I was basically, my whole career, I've always been applied physiology and nutrition. That's kind of always been my my background and, and what I would do. So so that was always blended into my practice. So, um, I mean, every day is a little bit different in the NFL, but essentially, you know, if you were to take it from top to bottom, it would be something like you'd, you'd come in in the morning um, and you would get your kind of injury report from your head trainer to kind of decide what's going on, you know, basically if it's the beginning of the week, what happened after the game or just what was happening with the players that day, usually the mornings were spent doing a little bit of medical nutritional therapy. So maybe I have a guy that's got GI problems. Maybe we've got a new stress fracture. Um, maybe we have a new injury that we're going to do a protocol with. So we would kind of dabble around in that. Um, we would be doing our pre pre-practice kind of fueling setup at our fueling station, and then because I ran our players GPS, we, I ran the GPS system for the team. We would be getting the GPS system set up. We would maybe be doing some performance or body composition testing at the same time in the morning. Cause usually we would do our body comps in the morning. So that would kind of all be happening at the same time. And then during practice, I would support with like on-field fueling, but then I also was um, monitoring the GPS data during that time. Um, and then after practice, we would usually be doing additional player tracking on rehab, um, rehab players, either before or after. So we'd be doing the GPS tracking on that. And then we would be doing all the post-practice fueling. And then I would be in my office doing the post-practice um, GPS reports, for example, um, and then kind of getting those all assembled for all the different people that needed to see them. And then um, I was also responsible for things like sweat sodium testing or some some more kind of specific um, testing with players. Like we've had a few type one diabetics on our team. So I would be responsible for overseeing their blood glucose measurements and kind of adjusting feeling ba based on that. Um, and then obviously throughout all the week, you're doing things like setting up all your logistics for travel and packing for that. And, and then I would, I would be really intimately involved in writing menus for our cafeteria. So we were constantly auditing at mealtimes. 
Um, and then layered on top of all of that, you've got all your individuals with their own problems, right? So you're, you're dealing with your body comp guys, your guys that are deciding they're going vegan this week and kind of like all the drama, <laughs> all the drama of that. But for me, because I've always kind of operated within two, two brains, um, to go from writing a menu to, um, doing sweat sodium analysis is like, I can flip like that. So, but that's just because of the background I've had, or again, from like calling up a, a post-game meal to preparing a GPS report, I can flip my brain pretty easily to do that. So um, that's kind of enca encapsulates it. That's amazing. I feel like sometimes people might think, oh, football, just like fueling and just feeding. And I think people, and I know we had Peter Ritz on, who was great talking about the mm -hmm. clinical side of like mm -hmm. football. And I think sometimes- He does a great job. People might think it's just performance, but the clinical side is there in pro sports, a collegiate at like every- every level and it's just cool like how much really goes into it behind absolutely the and he's fantastic he's a great practitioner yeah shout out peter yes <laughs> what about now like you're consulting or just even from your experiences consulting with the olympics tennis nfl like all these teams and then can you talk about the consulting when you go into organizations because i feel like i learned about that later in my career and i think mm -hmm. that's really yeah. key can you just talk about the role of a consultant and what experiences you've had from that. Yeah, I've had a lot of really, really amazing experiences in consulting. Um, I've had, I've had programs like when my, my, when I got my consulting contract with the saints, um, really what I had been doing for a few years, because I would get calls from pro teams to kind of just go and meet to talk about developing nutrition programs. Because again, for some teams, they're trying to understand, like, should we do this? And where are we at? And so what I would, what I've done for a few NBA teams and, and a few NFL teams actually was kind of went in and did like an audit of their current nutrition environment and kind of evaluated their clinical nutrition practices, what they were doing, what are you looking at for your blood work? Um, you know, and then look, take a look at their logistics and, and their setup at their cafeteria. Do you have any sort of programming here? And then looking at their education program and kind of like giving these teams like a, literally a template that graded them out and said, you suck or <laughs> you're really good at this. Um, you need to hire someone. And really all of it had to do with just promoting them to try to hire someone. And whether that was as a consultant or a, or a, a full-timer at the time, it was up to the team, but really that's been a lot of fun work. And that's kind of how my contract started at the saints. I went in, they asked me to kind of come in and talk to them and evaluate what was happening. I put together a proposal. They didn't really have enough infrastructure to really support a sport dietitian. They didn't have they, their, their kitchen didn't even have a stove in it at the time, believe it or not. And so it was kind of like, you want a high performance nutrition program, but you have nothing set up for this. <laughs> so that was how my consulting contract started for them. And we, we basically worked for two years to kind of build, literally build um, infrastructure. And then, and then, the, and basically got to a point after two seasons where it was like, you're now ready to have a full-timer because you have, you have the, the, the station set up. They built a, a fuel a fueling station off the weight room. We upgraded everything in the cafeteria to actually be functional. We started integrating things into the clinical side with blood work and and the framework was there. And so that was a lot of fun um, to kind of be able to look at programs and and to kind of try to develop them properly. So that's been kind of a that that was kind of some fun consulting work. Um, with tennis, that was a fun contract where the WTA, which is the women's tennis tour, there was a group of us consultants and we were kind of assigned tournaments throughout the year. 
and you'd get like four or five tournaments a year and you'd be flown out to the tennis tournament. You sit in the athletic training room and you were the sport RD and uh, you were there to offer support to the girls on tour because they don't have a home base. Home base is running around to tournaments all around the world. And so that was actually a really great um, environment. The RDs that I worked with there were phenomenal, really, really great. And it was just fun to kind of like, yeah, you pick up your practice and go to Australia or China or or Zurich, and you just kind of like plop yourself down in a training room and and support these girls that are really high, high needs in, in pro tennis, high, high needs for so many things. Um, and just kind of, sat, you know, satellite in as a, as a performance staff member for a week and then have a rotation of nutrition support. So that was a lot of fun too. So it, there's just, um, there's a lot of what, what I find interesting is sometimes when I talk to younger RDs, they kind of just see the collegiate setting and, uh, and that pathway. And don't get me wrong. That's where like the mushroom, that's where most of the jobs are, you know? Um, but there's so many other opportunities out there that are a lot of fun to kind of just, um, engage with athletes in different environments or just in different ways. I know you're getting me excited. I don't even. Yeah. I've had a lot of really fun experiences. Yeah. No, no, and it's cool too. Like I always forget for consultants and I'm not saying like you consult in order for them to like make it a full-time position, but I also know a lot of consultants that's like the goal or like that you're trying to help them. So it must be so cool to see all the places you've helped, like hire a full-time or, um, and just shout out to anyone who's consulting. I mean, I think it's, it's, I think sometimes people are like, oh, like, why aren't there full time and maybe they can't afford mm-hmm. that right now or maybe yeah okay, yeah it's very quick to judge sometimes and like yep. maybe people operate better consulting and like you're right I think people just think it's like collegiate pro tactical private practice good night like there's just more yeah yeah I mean I I've, I've done some work in the MLS and like that's a that's a group that's that's starting to um hire full-time you know um but like some of the groups that I've been with to be honest with you, it would be a disservice for them to have a full-time person because they just don't understand, they don't understand the scope and, and that person would just basically be coming in and doing post-game meals all day long. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's a role as well for a good consultant to come in and build advocacy. And then if the team has the, the awareness to bring on somebody in the right capacity, then you can, you can build a bridge to that. Um, but I think you can service and, and take care of athletes in a lot of different ways. And, and I, I, I've operated on both ends of the fence. So I, I feel like both ways fit. I know some people are like camped in one side and camped on the other, but I think that, um, there's different ways to give support. And, and again, it's all relative to what can, what the team can handle at the time too. Right. Right. No, it's funny how you were like, I, there's two parts of your brain going at each time. Cause I think anyone listening, I don't know what it is, but there's a part of me that like loves this side of nutrition. And then there's the post-game meal side of me that also enjoys that too, which is just strange, but there's nothing yeah. like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you've had a ton of experience. Is there anything that was unexpected, but has been super rewarding up until this point in your career, or just something that you didn't see coming? That's been a blessing. Yeah. I mean, one of probably the most unexpected thing I did in my, I've done in my career was I actually worked with Kobe Bryant for two years. And, um, that was actually really unexpected because I didn't expect to get a call from him. Um, and it literally was kind of like the president calling you, you know, it was like, I don't even know how he found my name out. Um, and it was, a that was actually probably one of the more interesting athletes I've ever worked with because I'd never really worked with a athlete that high profile. Um, you know, you work with the Olympians and the gold medalists and all that, but they're not, <laughs> it's a different level 
when right. Kobe's going to take the helicopter, like he, he used that a lot of his vehicle. Um, and so you kind of hear these things like you're like, what? This is just a different economy here, a different a different situation there. So that was actually something I don't talk a lot about because I I don't I don't you know I don't want to wave that name around. Um, and and obviously, God rest his soul right now. Um, but that's that was actually for me a very interesting um, experience working with somebody at that Beyonce level of of practice, you know, um, and the needs and and the way that someone's life is at that level is just I've never it was just it was logistically complicated to get servicing. Um, because he just was all over the place all the time. Um, and then for me, probably like one of the most rewarding aspects of my career and and starting off the first 10 years of my career in the Olympic world, which is a really, really taxing and exhausting job, but like was being able to travel the world and and kind of be like a you would end up, you know, I would just joke around when I worked with wrestling, I would end up in Eastern European countries that I never dreamed of being, you know, I spent a lot of time in Belarus. I've been to Belarus, I think four or five times. Most people can't say that in their, in their life. And you kind of get satellited in with the team and you have to figure out, you have to kind of get on your feet and figure out how to support, um, you know, weight-making processes in, in some countries that are just really foreign places. And so um, the, the Olympic world and kind of getting deployed to all these different spots and supporting people and having to kind of think on your feet and, get clean water for the team and just it sounds like survivor for the sports it, it is it is but it but for me it was one of the most exciting I loved working in Olympic sport um I probably would still be doing it if I if I just didn't get burnt out after 10 years and and traveling all the time and just needing to like walk away from you know being on a plane 250 days a year so um for me that was really cool I've got I've got to see a lot of the world um through um through the Olympic sport, um, work. And then, you know, through that, just getting to experience a lot of food culture <laughs> That's amazing. around the world as well. That's amazing. What about the best advice in your career up until this point? Or I'm sure you have really good stuff. Share, share multiple. Oh yeah. You already, you took a good quote already already. Took a good one, but I'm sure I, you have I already, that. that one of the things I had made a note of was that, you know, what you had just oh, said, really? you know, it was like athletes are people, you know, athletes are people. There's a power to relationship and fun. Um, and, and that being part of like the development of trust, you know, one of the things we used to do at our fuel station and my interns, if any of my old ex interns um, listen to this, the laugh is, is we always had um, like a lot of fun music going on at our fueling station. And especially during training camp, like we, we had like themes of music because we would do be doing weigh-ins and weigh-outs for the guys and in the middle of training camp, you know, everybody's in the grind of it, but they would come to our fueling station for the weigh-ins and we would have like nineties rap day. And, and it was just, it was like created a fun environment, you know? Um, again, it's, it, to me, I always, I always used to talk to my guys about like, what are our gateway drugs to have them come in and just want to visit and be with us. And so, but that was kind of also just realizing that we're in a grind. Everybody's miserable and hot. Let's just make this a little bright spot for your way in and way out, you know? Um, and that, again, that's kind of looking at P this as a, as a, what's the, what's the mood of everybody. And either we're going to just continue to be miserable here or like nutrition is going to be the happy people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Honestly, we make people's days. We make <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, the other thing is like, you know, this was something that that's literally plastered on my, um, 
my office like every single day and I read it every single day. And it's like, you know, do you want to know what the will is for your life? You know, like, cause we're always trying to think about the next step. What, you know, what who am I working towards? Where am I going next? Where is it? And so the question is like, do you want to know what the will is for your life? And it's like, well, what's been put in front of you today and do that now. And so, you know, and that to me, I remember, I have it on my desk. What's the will for your life? What's been put before you today and do that now. And so it's really helping me to just like today. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I'm not crying. Yeah. No, no, it's a, but it, and it, it's really important for me because <laughs> you get wrapped up in tomorrow and my next step. But like today, my job is to call back um, this athlete to talk about, um, you know, getting him on a meal plan because he's got some issues, you know what I mean? And so it's recentering to my will is what's in front of me today. And I got to operate in this because that's what I, you know, that's what's being put before me today. And so, um, you know, that, that to me has been very powerful and something that I, um, I really try to, to focus on just what's, what's going on today. Cause you've all heard it before in sports psychology, small, small bites, you know, progress, progress steps versus big leaps. And so it's, it's blending into that idea too, where it's like, you'll get to where you need to go, but you need to focus on, on getting through today and getting a good job done today. Yeah. And today sets you up for tomorrow. Even exactly. if you don't see that yet, but it does, it does. I love that. I love that. This rapid fire round is brought to you by Honey Stinger. I'm super excited to have Honey Stinger Represented on the show, Honey Stinger is sports nutrition for every ambition and proudly fuels over a thousand, a thousand college and professional teams, which is absolutely incredible. Contact team sales at honeystinger.com for samples and team pricing. Sweeten the burn with products designed to help you prepare, perform, recover, and overcome your next challenge. Honey Stinger has delivered natural, sweet, and fuel options for generations to outdoor enthusiasts and athletes of all kind. Listeners can use the code RDSnippets20 for 20% off one-time offer on HoneyStinger.com and experience great-tasting products and nutrients you need every phase of your activity. That's R-D-S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S-2-0. For more information about HoneyStinger, head to the show notes. Thank you so much to HoneyStinger for sponsoring this episode. All right, ready for the rapid fire round? Oh boy, yes. (laughs) I don't know. These aren't like scary, but like for some reason, okay, okay. Like, okay. What is the phone? What is the color of your phone case? Uh, it's like a mint green. Shut up. Wait, mine is too. Like this. Oh, 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 yours is like prettier. Okay. That's so real. No, no, no. It's not prettier. It just has a case. It has like a, it just looks shiny, but it's the same color. I don't know why I went for mint green. Cause I, I'm like a pink person, but I was like, let's try to be a little bit more professional. Not that pink's not professional, <laughs> but like black's like too dark. Like that's not me. Yeah. And yeah. Mint green. That's awesome. Funny. All right. Next vacation you're going on? Do you have a plan? Oh boy. Um, I don't, well, we're probably going to go skiing next week. Um, we just haven't, de- well, we haven't decided yet. So it'll probably be somewhere in Colorado, either Crested Butte or, or around Vail, or we just, we're trying to actually find just cheap, cheap places to stay yeah. right now. So. When I was younger, we skied in Whistler. So like, I feel like, oh, I, yeah. like Lake Louise and Banff. Like, I just feel like I know like names, but I was, I was kind of young, but it was beautiful. It was amazing. Yes. Whistler was my home mountain for five years. I loved, I love Whistler. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. Dream job if you weren't a sports dietitian? 
That's a great question. Um, this is going to sound really weird. Um, there's two, there's two. So if you asked me like a year before, a year ago, I would have, I would, my, my study was always, I wanted to be a translator, um, like a diplomatic translator. Um, cause I really love languages. So, um, I can speak French and Italian and English, um, pretty well. Um, and so I, I love language. I love learning language. So I'd always had this fantasy that I would like know five languages and then, you know, be like the person that walks around with the diplomats and like, yeah. you know, just a translator, professional translator. Um, but that's changed, although I still am passionate about that. And now it's, um, a pizza, a pizza chef because I've gotten into, um, making my own pizzas and my own dough. And I have a pizza, like a an actual, like pizza, real pizza oven. And, and I've like researched getting food trucks and like, <laughs> you need I might just cross over, like, go just screw nutrition and just go like, you know, carbs and dairy and calories, you know, and just be a pizza chef. You got your next Instagram posts already. I want to see the pizza next. Oh, they're fantastic. I mean, I'm biased. I've had many people come over and like, I, I think they're fantastic. I, I, my, I'm Italian ancestry. So mm. there's like a very, very deep, like DNA connection to this pizza making that I, I think just it. like comes out. Is renting a truck like expensive? Like these are things I would never think. I know. See, see, I started making pizza and then I was just, and then you start to kind of get into it, right? You start to like research all these things and um, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I keep trying to get my, my husband's very, very um, handy. And I keep, I saw these guys that had like, like outfitted a horse trailer into a pizza, um, pizza truck. And, and we live kind of in the horse country out here. So <laughs> every time I see a horse trailer, I send it to my husband and be like, can you make me a pizza truck? I just so. get a picture you on the weekend, just like making pizza, selling it on the streets. <laughs> I know there's, there's a farmer's market up the road from us in the summer. And I, and I do have a fantasy of just you have to do it. I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid though. Cause I may totally go over to just making pizza. Like <laughs> that just might, that just might eclipse everything in my life. Go to airport or gas station snack, or are those the same? Like, would you grab the same thing you grab at a gas station versus an airport? I think yes, but I also understand if they'd be different. Yeah. Airport or gas station snack. Oh, I have a very, um, I have a, a slight addiction to diet Pepsi. So it would definitely be a diet Pepsi. I don't know if that's considered a snack. It were, I mean, anything with it, like a cheese it or something. I mean, cheese it. So. No, no. See, I'm usually, so I grew up in a pretty, like, yeah, I grew up in like a pretty, um, like a, you know, um, working class blue collar family. So right away my head goes to like, don't buy it. It's too expensive. So I probably would have snacks that I already like have. Yeah. There. <laughs> There. yeah so that's like the honest truth like when I especially when I travel to I throw a bunch of like bars and stuff in my bag and then but usually I'll go and spend the money on a diet Pepsi yeah for some reason I feel like gas station airport my first thought is always like Chex Mix but yet no one oh. would Chex Mix like on an everyday basis isn't that strange like no one that is never go to anyone's house and they'd be like want some Chex Mix like isn't that weird but like people like I, I agree though but there's like certain associations like when you are in that environment that like that's that's what that's what you do like I had a friend that like Auntie Anne's pretzels she like would never eat them except for at an airport you know after this is so funny but I was driving back from my interview um at Boston College and I as I was driving back from my interview I got the call that I got the job like driving back to Connecticut and yeah. I stopped at one of those like um what are they like service stations 
there was an Auntie Anne's and that was the best pretzel and lemonade I've ever had in my life. And so now I just associate Auntie Anne's or Auntie Annie. Wait, what is it? Auntie, Auntie uh, whatever. Whatever. With like just happiness. Cause I was just so happy. And there is a selfie of me with my pretzels and lemonade. Oh. Well, I, I had never had one of those before. Cause they don't have them in Canada. So you so I had at the malls. Like it, that's not a thing. Yeah, they they just they may have have they may have them up there now, but it was just never a thing. And so I remember one of my American friends, we were at an airport and she was like, Oh, I gotta get one of those. And she's like, They're so good. Have you ever had them? And I was like, No. And uh boom, so mind blown. I was like, these are so fantastic. Good. So yes. good. Yes. What about favorite country you've ever visited or Oh, I'm very biased to Italy. That's just, it's because my, my mom's Italian and I've been a ton of times and I speak the language and I love the food and, um, yeah, that's my, definitely my favorite. I, 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 I yeah, I hope to retire there. <laughs> All right. Ready for the last question. Okay. Yes. All right. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? Um, I have three things, please, but. Okay. The first thing is relationships are just as important as your resume. That's the first thing. Um, because I was overly focused on my resume building and, and realizing as you go along that relationships were how I actually got a lot of my jobs. Um, that the second thing is, um, there is no five-year plan. So, uh, I know that that's something we're all kind of preached to. What's your five-year plan? What's your five-year? And, and usually you can have one maybe in your head, but it like, I don't know anybody who's like lived out their five-year plan. And so as long as you kind of operate in like not having a fixed sense of where you should be by a certain age and stage, I think that's a really valuable thing that I wish I could, I could have told myself. Um, and yeah, you can, uh, you can chase goals, but I feel like jobs will sideline you when you're, when least expected. And so, yeah, I think I was kind of very regimented and rigorous when I was younger and, you know, following some of these things, but those would be the three things. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. All goes back to just focus on today. And it's so true. It's like when you least want something, it usually happens or like when it's just like the stars and it will always. Yeah. I mean, I I'm Canadian. I knew not, I mean, honestly, I, and people will like want to kill me for saying this, but like. I wasn't an NFL person. I, I grew up in the NHL. I was, my dream was like, Hey, I want to be the, the sport dietitian for the Maple Leafs. Like, and so when I got a call to go work with the saints, um, in, and people will probably crucify me for saying this, but I had to go ask my husband, like, what's, what team is that? <laughs> Who's the saints? I had no clue literally. Cause I was not an NFL Right. Fan. No, that makes sense though. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it just, and I was just kind of like, okay, NFL and even physiologically, it didn't interest me. I'm like, okay, like we operate in a zero to six second time frame here. Like physiologically, I'm like, what the hell do I have to do for these guys? You know? Um, and that's turned into like nine years of my practice, you know, almost half of my practice has been working in the NFL, which is again, a, a world I'd never, I never would have envisioned ever, 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 ever. If you asked me coming up through my career, never would I have said I would be spending half my career in the NFL. Amazing. Yeah. It's just a good reminder to keep, keep an open mind and like, just keep working hard. And at the end of the day, it's like, as long as you like love what you do and you like the people you work with, it's always works out. Like it always just works out and you'll get to where, you know, 
you want to be. Um, it just yeah. it be better than what you thought originally, which is the best part, I think. Totally. And I've known people with the most amazing titles and the most amazing salaries, but they work with the most horrible people and their, their daily existence blows, you know, let's just be honest. I'm and, laughing because this needs to be another episode. Maybe this will be part <laughs> one because I'm like, we got to talk about that too. Yes. Yes. So that's the thing too. Like oh, I have, I have a good, good friend that says, um, people over logos. That's his, that's his professional mantra. Mind and his, that. what's, what's more important for him is the team of people he is deciding to work with over the logo of who he works for, you know? And so, um, I think that's also like, just to your point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is about your people that you're with in the day to day where you are literally giving away your life to your job every day. You got to make sure that that's that, that environment you're in is healthy. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Jen, thank you so much for your time today. It was so awesome to hear your experience and your advice. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.